big tackle number 66 can't stop talking to me. Well, I, I, honestly, I think that's the thing that makes him better. Is that he talks to you enough? Well, I know. When he talks to me, great things happen, right? They usually do. Okay. Well, back to about. Hey guys, welcome. It's Shane alongside Frankie. It is the 10th episode of the 13th Man Podcast. I hope you're all staying safe, you know, practicing social distancing, wearing masks, all that fun stuff. How are you doing today, Frankie? I'm just great. We just had the CFL dump a bucket full of news on our heads. So I've kind of been digesting that for the last little bit, but uh, you know, pretty good. I mean, I don't think it's any news that we weren't expecting, to be honest. No, but... I mean, I kind of got into scramble mode a little bit there to put an article together and everything. And, you know, we kind of impromptu decided to record this little bit at the beginning uh, because we haven't been doing this recently. So, No, we've, uh, we've jumped straight into player interviews, which, I mean, is great because it's great to have players that want to talk and that are so open about certain things going on in, uh, in the CFL right now. But, yeah, I think it's time that we actually, you know, sat down, had a little bit of an intro, and this was a great way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a little bit unfortunate, some of the news that, you know, was dumped on our heads. But at the end of the day, I think we all kind of expected that this news was coming. Uh, And this was done, I believe it was an exclusive season ticket holder event for all season ticket holders across the league for Randy Ambrosi's virtual tour. Uh, And he just did it in one stop this year as opposed to going to a bunch of different cities. but uh, Shane, I, th- I think the biggest takeaway for me in this news dump was that the, uh, the earliest the CFL is coming back is September and it'll be done on a shortened schedule. Yeah, so uh, I made an article, I think, in, for 613 when a lot of this happened about the possibilities that they could go the route of. And one of the possibilities that I put in was – Labor Day weekend, you know, you have a eight game schedule and whatever, how many weeks you ever want to put in and work around the playoffs. But it would basically allow teams or players to start training camp the first week of August. Uh, you have your two weeks. You probably won't have like a, a traditional rookie camp. You'll probably ask the rookies to come in a week earlier, veterans to report the following week, or you just have everyone report at once and, and, it, and then you're going to have the last two weeks of the uh, season or of August, I mean, be the preseason games. Um, you also could see it start the last week of July. So you have that three weeks of preseason games that, <laughs> you, uh, that we generally have. Yeah, I don't know if we're actually going to be able to see preseason football happen in August or not. You know, there 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 wasn't many particulars given, uh, and they did say too in one of the uh, the sentences of this statement that this isn't them announcing or promising to return in the fall. They're just letting the fans know that uh, this remains one of the remaining possible scenarios for 2020. A canceled season is possible. Again, it's too early to make make a sure call at this point and that, that's a quote taken directly out of the statement that was released uh so we don't know a whole bunch about if or when there's going to be a season still it just at this point they've pretty much guaranteed that we will not see cfl football before september and i can't say i'm surprised yeah i mean i think with the way things are you know going with the border and whatnot 
that they it, it would be very unlikely to see football back in some capacity before September just because of the training camps. You can't expect these players to go in cold, but I think September would be the best time. You know, things are kind of quieting down, gives you plenty of time to get things sorted, organized between now and – because realistically, the the latest they can make a decision on this, if a September start date was where they wanted to go, a Labor Day weekend start date, it would probably be like the middle of July. You can't you can't extend it a decision. It's either we're having a season or we're not. We need like they'll have to give some sort of decision by that time to give teams preparation because the teams still need to go through the two week quarantine. Yes. American players traveling up to Canada will most likely obviously things can change between now and then, but assuming that any travel inside and outside of the country only Canada requires people to quarantine for 14 days. That's most likely going to be still a thing. You know, you're going to have to have time for that. So if you do have a, uh, you know, a middle of July where you're like, okay, we're going to have a season Well, you're pushing things back a little bit past Labor Day or you scrap the preseason games together, which I don't think it's happening. You might have a team play twice in a week kind of thing. You could even just see one. Yeah, you could see a team just play one game. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. But I would say by the, by no later than July 17th. Yeah, I think. That Friday, the third Friday in July would be the ideal cutoff. If there's nothing, no news by then, I would assume the season's canceled. I think that's reasonable. Um, I mean, there's obviously still things I need to figure out exactly how 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 many how few games is too few games for them would they play an eight game schedule would they play 10 would they play six uh they got to figure out when it's too little you know they got to figure out the whole travel scenario like will they've got to figure out if we're going to have a playoff more than just a great cup game potentially there's there's a whole grouping of things that need to be figured out come that time Uh, but we aren't there yet we're still trying to figure out if we have a season at all yeah and I'm optimistic that they will be. I think the players want it, the league wants it, the fan wants it. And since they've broken up into these different groups, it seems like they've made more progress because they're now working together. Yeah. So I, I'm i optimistic about it. I think all fans should be. I think, you know, the whole idea of in a situation where, like, no news is good news, in this it's not. No news is should be considered as bad news. And because I mean, to me, in that article I wrote today, I, I th- this hasn't been published as of recording this. It might be uh, come uh, Friday when this goes up. Uh, but if, if that is, you can read it at 613sports.com. Um, but I essentially said that this isn't good news, but it is in a way good news that the CFL didn't say, yeah, we're not going to play this year. Like, we're not even going to try it. You know, there's still a, a hope that we might see football this year, but, you know, it's it's far from guaranteed. Well, that's the thing, is that at this point, you know, any news that says that, hey, there's a possibility of football is good news, and fans shouldn't really be worried about it. It would be worse off if they're like, hmm, no, we're not going to say anything. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, go for it. <laughs> 
Well, I was just going to transition to the next uh, talking point that we have. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, before we start to kind of run out of time, because we do want to squeeze that interview in at the end, um, we need to talk about what's going on with the Grey Cup this year, because in this statement as well, uh, the Grey Cup, I won't say it's been stripped from Saskatchewan, but the game has been taken away from Saskatchewan and awarded to them for 2022. Uh, it will stay in Hamilton for 2021, unchanged, barring something that you know none of us really are predicting right now. I hope we don't see that. I'd like this to end at some point. But, um, yeah, so for now, Hamilton 2021, Saskatchewan 2022, and then this 2020 season, if we do end up playing it, the, ho- or the host of the game will be decided by the participant with the best record at the end of it. So that's what's happening with that. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you're good. If, the, if the Grey Cup were to go as scheduled, the, like, Saskatchewan would lose more money than you even want to think about. So it's yeah. easier to just say, hey, we're not going to make a festival out of it. There's no going to be Great Cup Week festivities, this, that, and the other thing. Unfortunately, it's, it's just going to be like a, a game seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs kind of thing where like it's very to the point, very business-like, no real like media squabble or whatever, and you'll be at the team with the best record, which – if you ask a lot of people how it should be, other people would disagree, obviously. I don't think it should. I like the whole, whole host idea. It's less than ideal. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, a host city. I think it's probably the fairest way to do it for a game that big. It allows you to know, have a big festival. People can uh, plan their, their yearly vacation to it if they so please. Uh, and it saves you from having one week of – oh, okay, the game's in Edmonton, I'm in Ottawa, how am I getting to Edmonton to watch my team play? You know, So that's one of the big bonuses for me. But I think this is – you just have to do what you have to do to get the season in at this point. There's, Like you said, there's not going to be a huge festival around it. You know, you're probably not going to get a whole bunch of money from this. I don't know how many fans will be allowed in the stands, if there's any at all. But, I mean, they also did say, too, that this game is possibly going to be played in December. Uh, so I hope to God that uh, Winnipeg is not the team that's hosting this Grey Cup because Winnipeg in December would be terrible. I mean, let's be fair. Anywhere but BC in December would be terrible. Yeah. Or Montreal because uh, they could play it in the uh, the Big O. Yeah, I mean, if you want to risk it, go for it. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing is, though, is that we're they're optimistic and I think that helps fans and it should help fans. So. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, and then there was before we go into that interview, there is one more thing that was canceled this year, and touched it was Touchdown Atlantic, and which is unfortunate because that was sold out for this year. You know, it was it was going to be Saskatchewan and Toronto, and it was going to be in t- almost entirely green, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, most unfortunately, likely. that has been canceled as well. Uh, if you did buy a ticket to that game, uh, the CFL has said they're going to reach out to you and uh, get you your money back. I mean, they should. I think that's, like, the right thing to do. Absolutely. Uh, at the same time, like, I think the CFL Atlantic is a great thing. Um, yep. I hope that sometime in the next two, three years, we'll have a team out there. Um, and you can bet your butt that I'll be going all the way out there to watch a game. Um, but, 
it's one of those things where you look at and you look at paper and you're like, oh, why are they doing this? And then you watch the game and it's like, that's why they do it. Cause, yeah. Well, it wasn't uh, a big stadium. It was, what, 10,000 people they were going to be able to get in there? But oh, uh, I think it was more. There, I know that they had to add temporary seating because it, it's a very small stadium that they were going to play at. Uh, but, you know, it was going to be sold out. There was going to be a ton of Riders fans there. It was, it was essentially going to be mini Grey Cup. And it's kind of unfortunate to see that get canceled now. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I'm not, I'm not like obviously I'm upset by it, um, but I'm not. I'm not saying upset. I don't think upset's the right word. Um, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I think I, I like that's the one thing. It's like I'm disappointed. I mean, I was supposed to go to Toronto this year uh, with one of my friends to go catch the. Uh, a game in Toronto. Uh, I was also supposed to go to Montreal to catch a game in Montreal uh, for like the June their their June second game, which was I believe it was a preseason game, but still. Um, so it sucks. Like it sucks hard. Yeah. Not even gonna lie. Well, we know firsthand. I don't know if you've ever been on one of the Red Blacks trips, but uh, you know lots of Red Blacks fans here. And I'm a, I'm a part of those those bus trips up to Montreal every year, and uh, we have a blast. So it's unfortunate to see that nothing like that's going to happen this year in all likelihood. But, again, you know, we will have CFL football back, uh, you know, barring something completely unforeseen that none of us want to see. So we'll have CFL football back. We'll be back, you know, flying around to Grey Cup, going to Touchdown Atlantic, uh, you know, going on bus trips with a bunch of fans to Montreal. That stuff's going to be back. For now, you know, you got to kind of do what you got to do to keep everybody safe. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is just a temporary thing. It's not going to be some huge issue. And I think that's what people need to realize is that, like, this will get better. We just need to, to be patient with it and we'll be fine. Absolutely. But that being uh, said, uh, I, think, I think that's it for our big news dump. So, Oh, I, think- I mean – there was also the fact that uh, none of the draft picks have signed and very yes. few of them have had actual contract negotiations with their teams due to this whole coronavirus thing. Yes. I, I think for the moment, I think that's probably just because the CFL teams are trying to save as much money as they possibly can and not committing to yourself to more people uh, than than is necessary right now, I think is – smart on their behalf Uh, and you know i'm almost 100 percent positive that once this is resolved to the point where we know we're going to get back to football shortly i think we'll start to see the players that are going to me make differences day one are going to sign uh you know we'll see guys like adam O'Claire sign well you know uh whole name escapes me but you know those guys that were picked high in the draft will be signed Uh, and then Maybe after this shortened season, we'll see guys that were picked later in the draft get their training camp invites to come out and compete for that spot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole thing. Is that, like, you're going to see it happen. It's just a matter of when they figure out what the hell's going on with the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But, yeah, I think that's all. Uh, We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will have a Montreal Alouette's Offensive lineman Tony Washington finally joining the show. Unfortunately, I'm not there. No, it is uh, it is just me. Uh, I will be sitting down with Tony Washington 
So it's going to be a fun one. So stay tuned. We'll be, uh, we'll be back shortly. Hey guys, welcome back with me right now is uh, Montreal Alouettes offensive lineman, Tony Washington. How you doing today? Uh, pretty good. I'm outside. I'm running from bees. Oh, whoa. <laughs> that was a big B. Um, I'm doing good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, thank you for being able to to come on. I know we were trying getting you on earlier, and things just didn't work out. So glad to yeah, get you on. Good. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on your on your show. So first off, what's your personal style off the field? You mean like fashion wise? Yeah, like what's your fashion style off the field? Like if you're going out with friends after a game or you know after practice, what is something that you like to wear, brand wise, all that stuff? I'll do. I'm three. I'm six seven three uh, three twenty five right now. Whatever fits. <laughs> I don't have a particular brand. Usually the clothes don't matter as much as the shoes do. That's fair. Um, that's a great segue. So Dennis was talking how you kind of, you like to poke fun. You kind of just send him shoes that you know he won't like. Yeah. Is that like something that's always been a thing? Like you just, you're one of the ones that likes the shoes that other people generally don't rock or? No, 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 no. It's not that, no, it's not that I like the shoes that people don't rock, but I was, he made a comment a while ago that anyone who buys flight schools or buy anything Jordan, uh, team Jordan, uh, he don't really mess with them. So there's a few pairs of shoes that he did, like the 32s in my opinion, and it was like the 20-somethings, I don't know, they were actually decent-looking Jordan. Like, if they would have come out back in the 90s, maybe the people would still would actually wear them. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I like to mess with Derek, man. He's <laughs> he's funny on Twitter, and and uh, I knew he wouldn't – I definitely knew he wouldn't have liked that, that, that post. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it, I think it's a it, it's a different side of players that you don't really see very often. So to to see it, I was just like, this is cool. This is fun. I think yeah. I think there's a group of you guys that are very active on Twitter, and if you're a casual fan, you don't see it as often. But someone who is on there probably way too much. Um, I find the clips of everything and it's just, it's nice and refreshing to see you guys. Everyone's like, Oh, they're athletes. They're doing, doing their own thing. It's nice to see you guys just as regular guys. And I think that's one thing the CFL does very well or they're the athletes, you know, everyone, all the fans look at you guys as, you know, role models, favorite player, all that. But at the same time, you guys are also very open to talking to the fans, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that is something that uh, that I've definitely noticed about playing up here is that we are accessible to fans and people who want to reach out to us. Um, I mean, you know, it's not as glory. Um, I don't know. The game is not as big, I guess, as the NFL. So, you know, guys are just you know normal guys, man. Just just playing a, a unique sport, a unique game. So you've been – you started off in the CFL with Calgary and then uh-huh. kind of bounced around. How did you get up here? Like, what was that like when you first came up here? Um, honestly, man, it just was uh, – I, I had no idea about the league. Um, I think maybe 
I heard about it a little bit, but I didn't know much. Um, I had a few little interviews and stuff for different teams in the States and NFL, and nothing really happened. I uh, played arena ball, and my agent out of nowhere actually had fired him. He called me, and he said, I know that I don't work for you anymore, but I got a phone call from Chris, Chris Jones. He was the coach, defense coordinator for Calgary at the time. Um, basically, you know, looking at me to come up there. And, um, yeah, it took him a little bit of time to get me up. And once everything was done, I signed. <laughs> and it was different. It was I was playing. But I had just been – I just had finished playing arena football. So that was a different game, unique game. To go into this bigger field, more guys. Um, so, yeah, it was um, – it was quite interesting when I first got up. 2012, you go to the Great Cup. What was that like? What is that like as someone who who's only been around the Canadian game for two years? What, yeah, what was that experience? Um, honestly, man, it was it was surreal. Uh, I, you know, it it's hard to describe. Um, you know, playing in that type of a game, like you said, my second second year, seeing the way that Canada came alive, seeing the way that the fans come alive, seeing the stadium. And it was at um, at the Rogers Center, you know, it was packed to the brim. I mean, it was it was a special time and it was fun. I, I can't really even compare it to anything else. I mean, I, I had a good time in 2015. That was a special time too, but that first one was, was unique. And, uh, and actually after beating Montreal in the, the last game that was played at the Olympic Stadium. Um, and, you know, coming from that game, that game almost felt like a great cup game as well. So it was, it was, a, it was a surreal experience for sure. What was, was there any different feeling between 2012 and 2015? Or were you more kind of settled because you've already experienced this? Or is it a whole new experience? I think it was a whole new experience. Uh, it was a different team, different vibe. We, uh, the struggle was different, I think. But the 2012 team, it was a um, a band of guys that had came together, surrounded Ricky Ray, obviously, and the defense came alive that year. And it was, um, you know, we wasn't great, but we ended up there in '99. Ended up at the Great Cup, winning it. Whereas in Edmonton, it was more of a surreal feeling because of the fact that we couldn't get past Calgary for those few years. And Calgary, you know, they kind of, it kind of haunted us a little bit. So I think it was more of a revenge win. <laughs> and that's what made it a little bit more special is that we were able to kick their ass, you know, <laughs> and then go on to the Great Cup. But um, better team, kind of knew we were going to end up there, at least get close to. But um, totally different experience. Frankie and I are both Red Blacks fans. So that, that Great Cup is a little bit of a dinger for us. Um, yeah. I mean, the better team won, not going to lie. Uh, Edmonton was the better year for the entire year. Um, then you go to Hamilton. Yeah. You play two years in Hamilton. What was that Cheers. like? <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton was a, a turning point in my career. It was um, – we were 6-0 and in Edmonton. Uh, had the best record in the league. And then and I get cut. They move me to right tackle. I get cut because I'm not a right tackle. I'm a left tackle. And they had their guy, uh, Brock, had their guy they wanted there. And, you know, I think it was 
the whole situation was weird. But I go to Hamilton and they're 0-6. So it kind of was a, a wake-up call in a lot of ways. But I helped that. I, I was a part of that team when we turned it around. I mean, we were one game out, actually one game away from actually making the playoffs when we started the season 0-7, I think. Um, and then seeing that team grow under Mazzoli and uh, Coach Jones and seeing the the change that's happening right now as you see this team is a powerhouse right now and they're going to be scary for this season or next season whenever it starts. Um, so, yeah, it was it – was, it was a down moment in my career, but it also taught me a lot about my career and about who I am and how to get through things. It, it brought me back to my roots of why I started playing the game. That's good. I mean, I think every player needs those wake-up calls every once in a while. Right. Um, and then you end up in Montreal, which yeah. obviously wasn't <laughs> the – they didn't have the greatest situation when you arrived. No. Uh, obviously, everyone knew about uh, – the situation heading into 2019. What was the locker room like during the 2019 season? Uh, 2019, you mean last year? Last yeah. year's season? Last year's season was, it was, um, it all, you know what, from the first moment that I got there, the locker room had always been um, close knit. I mean, it's probably one of the best locker rooms I've ever been a part of. The guys are very, I mean, guys hang out more than I've ever seen. Um, yeah, everything's it was a lot of togetherness, you know what I mean? And brotherhood and, and uh, banner, playful banner. Um, I, didn't, I didn't understand why in 2018, 17, why Montreal was having so many issues until I got here. And, you know, I guess I started seeing some of the um, organizational issues that might have been going on. But we took that and used it as energy. Man, we went through a fire GM, fired head coach, um, you know, we take our offense coordinator and put him in a, in a uh, head coaching job. And we have an interim GM that was a scout. Um, so it's, it's, it was, we surrounded ourselves around Kahari and we believed in Kahari. We believed in his, in his, um, what he wanted to do. Uh, the locker room completely changed for the better. Guys just really bought in and it, it was it was fun to be a part of it, fun to watch for sure. I mean, it was a crazy season. I wish we would have ended it better. I thought, in my opinion, um, we should have edged off Edmonton for sure, but it didn't happen. <laughs> I would like to have happened, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it is what it is. But, yeah, I thought I, I for sure was – I was – Going into it at the beginning of the year, I was kind of skeptical and then seeing it the way it was growing. And then once camp was over in the first game and then I started seeing Vernon, it just became like crazy right in, right in front of my face. Yeah, and I think as a CFL fan, I was really hoping for 2020 just to see the growth Montreal yeah. was going to have, especially under, you know, Vernon, Vernon Adams. He's had his, you know, he's paid his dues in this league and I hope him – and you guys, I mean, I think as much as I'm an Ottawa fan, I just like competitive football. So when right. you have teams that are sitting at like three and thirteen, it's like, eh. And yeah. you have, like, you want competitiveness all year. When you get down to like the last like five weeks, and there's a team or two that you're you know isn't going to be competitive, it's. I can understand where where people are like it's it's hard to watch those games. It's hard to support those games because. Yeah. We want competitiveness. So the fact that Montreal is now 
back to being relevant, hopefully for the foreseeable future, especially with ownership and whatnot. Hopefully yeah. we can uh, get some sort of football this year. And that's where... And you know what? I see that... I feel like people don't realize how the East is about to change this year. Um, I don't know. Like with Toronto getting Matt Nichols, with the change of uh, organizational changes that they did with pinball there, he's a he's 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 a great dude, uh, and I think he's going to get that team being better again. Hamilton is their defense is you know wow, I don't know what to say about that um, on how they pulled it off, but they did. And even Ottawa, I mean, getting you know the guys that you guys got, so many, I mean, it's the East is going to be competitive this year for sure, and I think it's going to be probably the most competitive I've seen in a while. Yes, I, I've been saying since the whole free agency period that this would have been the year with no crossover, finally, yeah. where you would have just the three best teams in each division playing. Yeah. Uh, and I was honestly, I'm so disappointed because I was supposed to head down to Montreal in like two weeks for a preseason game. And yeah. You guys would have been, what, two weeks into camp now? About there, a week? Would have just finished uh, the first week? Just about in the first week, yeah. It doesn't – when did it hit you that this was, like, really going to impact the league? Because, you know, you look on Twitter, Instagram, it's all, you know, players being like, oh, I would have been in camp right now. Yeah. When did it, when did it hit that, like, you're not going to camp in May? Uh, I think around the same time it hit for everybody else. I mean, March, April – we start hearing the stories of the border closing, start hearing stories of all the restaurants and basically everything's locked down. Um, you know, and we got uh, emails from the CFLPA and yeah, around the same time that everyone else heard about it, we heard about it as well. Um, I don't think it actually became really real until the other day once I realized, yeah, like, you know, we're supposed to be playing football right now, getting paid. Um, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of your plans just kind of get put on hold and, um, you know, we still have families to take care of and we still, um, this is what our career, you know, wasn't to, to, to have it all stripped away and taken away and to, to dealing with it and seeing it happen is, uh, yeah. And now it's hitting a little bit. <laughs> have you learned French yet since you've been in Montreal? I'm, I'm actually in the process of taking a, I'm in a course right now that I'm taking online and, um, uh, so yes, I'm 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 actively learning uh, the language. That's good to hear. I think uh, Montreal fans are going to be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to because you know what? If I'm going to play here for the next couple of years, um, I also started seeing someone who's French, French, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I need to learn. But it'd be also it'd be good to have another language under me. And also, if I'm going to be in this uh, province for a while, then learning the language or at least learning how to get by with the language uh, is a very important to me. That makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, players don't talk about this stuff very often about like the other side of what the fans see. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you see yourself in a, in, an, you know, in another country, another province, what the steps people like players do to, you know, feel at home where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, you don't and I, it there is steps we take in trying to readjust into um 
yeah, to, to adjust to that environment. You know, you know, you don't know where you are until you're there. And then, yeah, it's, it's just like everybody else, man. We're like, we're just living life. You know what I'm saying? Like, just trying to figure it all out, just like everyone else. Yeah, I think uh, as athletes, people forget that, though. Yeah, well, they forget a lot of things. They <laughs> people, when it comes down to athletes, they forget even that we're human. So, yeah, what's your worst like fan like fan interaction? Uh, it's always little stuff here and there on Twitter and Instagram, uh, but mostly from the sidelines. Obviously, if you play in Saskatchewan or play in Hamilton, those two places are really rough to. I think it's gotten a lot better, but it used to be, man, when I first got in the league and uh, this league was a little bit more blue collar, I think it's getting a lot more, you know, um, international. People are starting to see it more. I think that the league is changing a little bit. When I first got here, it was still a little bit, no, it's still a little bit blue, blue collar, especially in Hamilton with the Ivory Wynn Stadium. I mean, that place was, I, when I was playing in Toronto, I hated to play there. I mean, those people were ruthless. And you sit the bench, I, I don't know if you know, uh, ever seen Ivory win, uh, there, there was a dugout bench. So the fans really were just sitting on top of you. You know what I mean? So that place was, yeah, there's been some, uh, <laughs> there's been some, there's been some stuff said that other teammates have had to like, yo, I'm coming up there in the stands. Like, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm like, maybe I'm just blind to it. I just don't pay attention to it. But during the season, from what I've seen, is it's just a lot of, like, I could do better than this guy. What is this guy doing kind of thing? Um, it's been it's been a relatively big story in hockey recently with the, the culture when it comes to, to racism and whatnot. And I, I don't know if it's – like, I know it's obviously in the football community – what is your experience with that kind of stuff in the football, in the football. Like, Yeah, in football community. Because I know, I, like, I've seen it a lot recently where people are like, oh, you know, in, in basketball, football, baseball, there's no racism. They, they, they just throw it out the window, which I think everyone knows is a lie. Yeah. So, I, don't, I, I don't think I've – for me, I haven't seen any – uh, I haven't really dealt with it or been, it never, it hasn't been uh, put in my face. I've never heard anything. Um, uh, yeah, that, you know, I can't even speak to that because I didn't even, I've never experienced it. I mean, most of the trash talk that goes on the field is just trash talk. And most of the fans never, I've never seen fans cross that line. And and in the streets, it's never really happened. So I think that's why I like this league in this country so much is because it is so, to me, easy to just live and be a normal person and not have to worry about the same uh, stresses that you have to worry about in other countries, especially in the States, uh, in the South, uh, especially in the South. Um, so yeah, I, I really can't even speak to it. I, I love it. I'm glad it's not like that. I hope, and, if, if, and if anyone has dealt with that, you know, that sucks. I'm sad, I'm, it's hard to, to, to hear that, but I've never really experienced that. I mean, that's really good to hear. I'm glad that your experience up here has all been positive when it comes to that stuff. Um, yeah. Switching it up to a better, happier topic. What is your expectation or hope for this season? Cause I know yesterday you tweeted that you're hoping for, you know, a little bit of like a shortened season or something. So 
in your, what would be your ideal situation? Uh, they call us tomorrow and tell us to start. <laughs> um, my ideal situation would be if, if it's a shortened season, um, you know, the nine game season, that's, you know, hopefully that happens. Um, I think there's a lot of things that is not being talked about contractual, contractually. Uh, there's a lot of things that the CFL and the CFLPA need to work out. Um, you know, best case scenario, we play at least the nine or 10 game season. Worst case scenario, we don't play and then up until next year because uh, I've heard things of 2021 might even be a problem. So, uh, yeah, to play is always the best scenario. Yeah, I, I don't – I'd be worried if there wasn't a 2021 season. I don't think the CFL could survive it. I don't think so either. And I've seen people be like, oh, the 2021 season's you know, guaranteed – and I don't think people realize that, you know, if there is no season outside of just the players who need to get paid, you know, we couldn't see a 2021, especially if there's no, you know, there's no help on it. Yeah, no, that's true. And, it, and it's and it's possible, if, you know, this virus, man, they don't come up with a vaccine. Obviously, this thing, could get, it can go back to being worse again. I mean, they could let people out the house this summer and then August, September, we got a second wave and people are getting sick again. Uh, it's getting cold again. People are starting to get the flu and uh, all this kind of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, it possibly could happen again, but I, I'm, I'm praying that that's not a, if it gets close to that, I think I'll, I'll have to move on with my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I don't think I'd be able to stand this, uh, the no CFL thing. I mean, as someone who lost their team for only like six years, actually more like 10, but losing the league would be completely different. Um, what's it like playing in Montreal at McGill University Stadium? Because the fans are relatively close. You know, there's the whole thing about, you know, Montreal not being supportive. But then you see them on TV. Even if you go to games, they're they're there and they're loud. I think people need to realize that they, they're, they're loud. What's a, what's a game day atmosphere like as a player in Montreal? Uh, it, you're right. They are close. It depends. The first year I was here, it was – it wasn't great. A lot of fans didn't come to, to see us playing because we were losing a bunch. Um, but for the most part, people are pretty um, – our fans are pretty engaged So our, to everything. I mean, you know, they are pretty close. The benches are right up on the – to the, the – you know, pushed back to the stands. Um, it's a smaller stadium, so it gets – it can get loud. Um so it's just it's a it's electric, man. I mean, when we're, especially when we're winning, like when we the game against last year against Winnipeg, man. I I don't think I've seen Montreal get that loud or get that engaged in a in a long time. Probably since 2011-12, when they were at the top in the East. It's a great place to play. Yeah, I can't. It's actually been that long since they've been respectable in the league. That's crazy. Yeah. The, man, the last like 10 years have gone by quick. Yeah, they have, right? 
Like I've been watching a lot of like the old Grey Cup games, like 2012 and whatnot on YouTube and whatnot. I'm just like, damn, like these feel like yesterday. Yeah, they do. They do. They really do. And it's and it's it's gone by pretty fast, man. It's and I've been playing for it the last ten years, and it's uh, it's like it was yesterday. It started. What's the biggest thing that you've like you've seen change in the game with the players? on the field in general? Like what's the biggest thing you've seen change, especially since you've, you've been to multiple teams? Yeah, I, I just think uh, while the, the players um, have, the game has changed to me. Um, I think you had a different breed of defensive linemen when I first got into the league. I think you had a different breed of offensive linemen. Um, you had bigger guys. Now I think it's a lot more speed and uh, endurance. It always has been like that, but Toronto, so Winnipeg, I mean, everything was, you know, the big D tackle, you know, the six, seven guy, the six, eight defensive tackle. Um, that's changed. You got a lot more movement, I think. It's quicker. They twisted back in when I first got there. Obviously, they've always done twist games, but I think it's evolved to something like more. Um, it's just faster. It just seems faster to me and uh, younger. That last part of like younger, it's actually kind of surprising to see how young the act, like how young the game has actually gotten when it comes to the players and just the, yep. the fans. I think that's one thing like people don't realize with, with football players is actually still how young they come into the league. Yeah. Because, you know, most of them are like outside of, you know, the, the guys who are, you know, they're a different level, but most of these guys that come into the CFL are, you know, 24, 25, generally mm-hmm. two, like, especially for the Americans, they're like two, three years out of college, uh, depending on how things go. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the league is definitely getting uh, a lot younger. The vibe is getting a lot younger. I mean, the fan base, um, everything just seems to be getting a lot younger for sure and faster and um, more advanced in a lot of ways. Schemes are changing up. Uh, it's, you know, you've seen so many different schemes come up, man, like Hamilton's defense, Saskatchewan. I mean, Chris Jones did a lot as as much for this league as Trustman did for offense in the CFL. Yeah, that's for sure. And I'm not a huge Chris Jones fan. Maybe it was just him beating Ottawa in the Grey Cup. I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give him I'll give him credit that he he has definitely done a lot for for this league. It seems like he manipulated the cap way too much in Saskatchewan though. He pushed like every the line. other week he was just bringing in some other big name player. Yeah, he pushed the line, but he, he pushed the line or he crossed it until he was told not to and then he brought it back. But that was who he was, man. He just tried to get things done and he you know, I I can't people say things about Chris Jones, but I as a player who played under him as a you know he's a he's, I love Chris Jones man he can't do no wrong in my eyes I mean what he's done like you can't question his football IQ it's no. one of the best yeah. I've ever seen in this league yeah all right last question before we let you go favorite road arena to go to or city actually favorite road city favorite city I'm living in it. <laughs> it was Montreal, man, but uh, I say now 
favorite rose city. It depends. It depends on what type of what time of the year we go to certain places. Uh, right now, if I was to say we were traveling to BC in July, I would say BC. Um, outside of that, it's got to be. Um, yeah, I, I think for it depends on what we're talking Talk about for fans, the environment, the atmosphere. Obviously, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. I love playing in those two cities for the environment and the the fan base, but. For just the city itself, I mean, you can't beat BC in July, man. Like you, <laughs> you just can't. So that, so does that mean you're happy that if Montreal does go to the Grey Cup, that it's not going to be in Saskatchewan in like end of November? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to play football in Saskatchewan in November. Possibly December. If we do have it, it might it might be in December. That's true. Good that uh, snowball, like uh, 2018. That's going to be crazy. And I'm not worried about the snow. I hope it snows. I don't want it to be – if it doesn't snow, that's the problem. It's going to be too damn cold. <laughs> yeah. Usually, if it doesn't snow, it's super windy and super cold. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man, snow games are great. I love snow games. Well, not planned in them. Yeah, I haven't played in a snow game since I was like twelve. Yeah, they they're not they're not fun. Definitely, uh, they're definitely um, hard to as an offensive lineman to get footing. It depends on like your cleats, and it's I think it's a slower game. I mean, you know, you could you could definitely see the difference in the play. Like guys that usually are explosive can't be as explosive. Um, and other guys step up. I mean, if you remember the game, uh, I think it was in Ottawa um, against Edmonton, against us, man. Like those guys, we were out there. We couldn't catch the ball for nothing. I mean, we got Air Darius, Bowman, like, none of our guys were catching the ball. Um, and Mike was getting hit, but it seemed like Ottawa, Ellingson, and the rest of those guys, like, they couldn't drop the ball. There was, just, you know what I mean? They were just, you know, but. Yeah, snow games are they're fun. If, they're they're fun if you uh, enjoy them. <laughs> when did uh, for that game? When did you guys arrive in Ottawa? Because it was relatively like it wasn't the greatest weather, but like it was a lot better than what happened on game day. Yeah, yeah, um, we got there probably the day before, or the um, yeah, two days before. We went two days before. Oh, so you came in and like the worst time because like earlier in the week yeah. it was there was snow on the ground and whatnot it just wasn't that bad right 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 and i hope after the cfl saw that game that they put it in place a better way of cleaning the field because i thought it was pretty embarrassing to see um you know that we had no protocol for clearing snow during the game which is i, I couldn't it's in it's canada you know <laughs> Yeah, I know Ottawa's getting a new field, so hopefully it'll make it easier to clean up when there's snow on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, uh, next time we talk, there'll be football camp coming right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for the 10th episode of the 13th Man Podcast. As always, we hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, you can find Shane on Twitter at Shane underscore Ryan 97. You can find myself at Twitter at 613Frankie. And you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram 
at the at 13th man pod and uh, we really hope to see you guys back here on tuesday when our next episode goes live see you then